Hey, folks, I'm Tom. And this is Keith. And uh, you should know that by now if you're listening to this very program. We talk a lot about the Dunlap Champions Club. Often it has to do with football season, but the season is over. It's in the rearview mirror. But very important note here, don't put the Dunlap Champions Club in the rearview mirror. One of Tallahassee's largest event spaces, the Champions Club is quickly becoming the go-to place for charity functions, meetings, and events located on the fourth floor. Champions Club consists of an east area, a west area, or you can buy them featuring floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking Bobby Bowden Field, providing a spectacular view for all of your guests. We've been there. We've done it. It's worth it. Great event space. Uh, if the fourth floor doesn't suit your needs, there's also the sixth floor, whether it's the southeast terrace or the southwest terrace. Regardless of configuration uh, or number of folks, the Dunlap Champions Club, a great uh, event space and can accommodate your needs. For more information, Mr. Jones? Let's see. You should call the FSUChampionsClub.com. Excuse me. FSUChampionsClub.com do you website. Call, do you call the website or do you, you just log into you the You call the number. Oh, what's the number? The number is 644-1830 or, again, online, FSU championsclub.com he's keith i'm tom we're done broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row knowles with tom block and keith jones front row knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thomas, yourself? I'm doing terrific. Other than my my hacking, although it's getting better. It's getting better. Is the pollen? The pollen doesn't affect me. It affects Kathleen, but it doesn't affect me. Mine mine is viral, bacterial, ugliness. It's just something. Stay on your side of the uh, booth here, then, if you would. Understood. What would you like to talk about first? Because Um, it is hard for me to fathom, but as we are nearing the end of February... Spring football is less than a week away. Well, I was going to go. So I guess that's where I was going to go. go first. I was going to go nine and one in the last ten ACC games and seven and zero to start um, baseball and what now twelve and zero thirteen and zero to start softball. That's seven, what I was going seventeen and zero seventeen and zero. Thank you. Don't sell them short. Sell them short. That's my bad. Unless they played last night, then they'd be eighteen and zero with four more homers. Okay, so nine and one in the last ten ACC games. That's pretty good. Yep. Uh, good stretch coming up from the standpoint for the men's basketball team that they've got a couple games at home and they're kind of spread out. You know, they played four games in nine days, three of them on the road, and then they're going to play three games in 11 days all at home. Just doesn't make sense. Well, not all at home because there's that wake. No, that's at the end, though. They play three consecutive home games. Oh, you're you're starting with the Notre Dame game. Correct. I got you. Um, I thought you had your calendar wrong and you were planning to play Wake at home again or something. I, that would have been a mistake on my part. Would it it would have, you would have missed the yep. team play. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I get your point. I thought it was uh, – It was. what's the word I'm looking for? It was the sign that, that they are a pretty decent team that they – Because they're they, being requested to play in certain time slots. But that they had enough to get through and get past Notre Dame. The reality is Notre Dame is shooting 29% on three-pointers in conference this year, and they were shooting 50% on threes against FSU much of that game. Finally, they started to cool off as FSU's depth warmed down or the intensity stepped up, whatever it is. About the midpoint of the second half, eight-minute mark, Florida State started to wear them down. Notre Dame couldn't make a shot, and the better team won. There we go. Now, moving to the other category, are we ever going to play a midweek game in baseball? Well, Mike Martin would like to. So technically, two teams, three games have already been canceled, right? Something like that. I can tell you don't want to go down this road. Well, 
I mean, I can't predict the weather. I can tell you that... Um, You've got as much chance as the people that claim they know. This is why when people, you know, they're quick to pull the trigger on a weekend home game like last weekend when there was rain in the forecast for Sunday, albeit not a lot, and they just moved it to Saturday and played a doubleheader. They could control that. They got two in. Road games, they'll, they'll get some of them made up. Also, sometimes there's an extra game on the schedule just in case one gets rained out, if you know what I'm saying. That nobody really talked about or mentioned? I have not counted up games on this year's schedule, but sometimes that may be in the, oh. in the cards. Oh, a little insight there. On I the have baseball. not been out to see the baseball team play yet, but obviously uh, Robbie Martin can swing the stick a little bit. A little bit, just a little bit. And I, I like the parts and pieces. They're young. They haven't played anybody at all at this point but that'll change pretty quickly because you get into conference play uh you know early on this year you're earlier than you used to in the in the smaller uh not 15 team acc certainly yep it'll be fun to watch it will be so that brings us back to football keith starts monday i'm still can't get over the two we got a quarterback chase we got a quarterback well well, now we have four we got a quarterback. we have four this one's from your neck of the woods literally Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, back in the day, our listeners can roll their eyes in the back of their head. They do this every time I give you the floor. But Wildwood actually played Leesburg, although Leesburg was two or maybe three uh, classifications larger. And, of course, we're talking about uh, Leesburg High School down in the middle part of the state, uh, 12 miles from the thriving metropolis of Wildwood. But my freshman and my sophomore year, we played Leesburg on Thanksgiving Day at 10 o'clock in the morning. And got trounced, absolutely trounced both times. So I'm, I, I don't know the kid. I don't know his family. My connection to Leesburg goes all the way back for the old timers to Mac, the late Max Weckstein, who was in part of the uh, Incredible Seven or Block of Seven or whatever they were called at Florida State. Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven, thank you. And he was the head coach at Leesburg during the time when I was in high school and actually played them. He was killed in a, an ultralight accident some 20, 25 years ago. Great, great man and great, great athlete at Florida State. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Question is, who's eligible come August? And we don't know the answers to some of those questions right yet. But there is more depth, and I don't know that Wyatt Rector will ever be a key factor for FSU. We'll see. But at least there's another name. There's bodies there. There's, a, no, there's another body there. I am excited about James Blackman. I realize that, I mean, the reality is you're not going to get anybody right now that's going to start over him. So the concerns are about depth and optics because you missed out at the early signing period and you missed out at the regular, whatever we're calling the February signing period, the late, the regular. One of the things, though, and you you have to learn, I guess, to trust the coaching staff is that there doesn't appear to be panic or concern with Willie and and with Coach Bryles relative to the kids that are there. We'll find out more about that with our eyes as we see that during spring. But, you know, the, the, the walk-on from California, they are very high on him athletically. His numbers were really good in high school. Uh, if the Louisville kid, you know, gains his eligibility, which a lot of folks have, even though they've transferred, they didn't have to sit out. You know, he was recruited by Florida State until they pulled off of him during Fishers last year. You know, there, there may be some talent there that is different than, you know, we're, we're looking for the Jameis Winstons in, of the world. And that's not the quarterback that's needed to run this offense. So, you know, we're all going through a learning curve here. It's not the quarterback needed to run this offense when the offense runs as it's it's supposed to, and there's obvious reasons why it didn't last year, most notably up front. So how much improvement can you see in one spring in a few months since the end of the season? I mean, you've had December, January, and February to be in the weight room or doing the chase to get stronger. you got a couple new bodies in the mix. Some guys are gone. Well, uh, Tommy, I'm, I'm going to answer this very flippantly, but you know they can get better real quick. 
because they were really bad last year. <laughs> uh, and that sounds bad, but... Uh, There's let, a lot of room for growth. Exactly. Well, let's say they were operating at 50%. We'll, we'll give them credit for being operating at 50%. They can get to 80 or 85% during spring ball. Well, if, if the offensive line is operating at 80 and 85% with a quarterback that knows how to run it, how much more improved would this offense be? Now, that's not 100%. That's not playing for the national championship. But you talk about incremental improvement, it, it, you know, flippant comment. It doesn't take much to get much better. And, again, get a quarterback in there that, that can read after the snap, which, bless his heart, DeAndre just wasn't very good at, and maybe Blackman will be better or whoever. Uh, you can see some market improvement, in my opinion. The naysayer, the critic – and there's a few in social media. You never oh, you, think? You, you never delve there. Well, you tell me about them. Would suggest that 80 to 85% of a below average player isn't as good as 80 to 85% of a five-star or a four-star to use the I was using the percentages of you. your goal is to have an offensive line that performs at 100% regardless of the stars. I'm saying this offensive line can get to 80 to 85% performance by the time August pulls around. What do you think is realistic in terms of how much they can improve last year to this year? And I, I mean, if you rank them as, I don't know where you rank them, dead last in the Power Five. If they're dead last in the Power Five, I think they can get to, I can get to, they can get to 50% or They can get to the middle of the pack of the Power Five. And if you get to the middle of the pack and you play decent defense with the schedule you've got coming, you're going to win eight ball games, maybe nine. I mean, that that's a far cry from what we're all used to hoping for entering a season. But when you're coming off, uh, what, 12 and 13 over the last two years, uh, you know, you got to be realistic. I think that's fair. I think they can get to middle of the pack. And I do think, and we talked about this a lot last year, and then as the season wore on, it kind of got discounted. But the defense was done a disservice by how frequently they had short fields, no rest because the offense wasn't getting a first down. Uh, you know, trying to defend 20 yards and keep somebody out of the end zone. And eventually that took its toll. Last I checked, it's a team sport. Yeah, it, it, it definitely took its toll. Let me ask you this. You just said something that I've heard everybody say, and I agree to an extent, but maybe not the full extent. But I am consistently hearing how much lighter the schedule is this year. In my mind, it's really one game lighter. Instead of going to Notre Dame, you're playing Boise State in basically a home game in Jacksonville. There's legitimacy to that, but I go back and I look at little things like uh, NC State. Their very good quarterback is gone, and we don't know who's going to replace him. All right, so that's a game that should be different. Um, obviously, you're talking about Clemson, and Clemson's Clemson. Uh, Florida, Florida is going to be better, but you're going to be better. But you're playing at Florida. I don't care where you play. That game doesn't matter where you play, in my opinion. Um, it did for a while. Now, recently, FSU just goes down there and stocks up the wins in Gainesville. Let's just make it five go. in a row this year. No big deal. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. Um, so, you're, I mean, you're, here's, here's your point I'm, is valid. Here's, point here's is valid. what I'm really saying. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of hype about opening with Virginia Tech last year. As it turned out, Virginia Tech was barely bowl eligible. They were barely better than FSU. And so you've replaced that game with at Virginia, which if you look at tradition and and historical perspective, yes, Virginia Tech's been a better program. But if you look at right now, Virginia Tech wasn't any good last year. And Virginia's coming off their their point in the right direction, had the best year they've had in some time. So I don't think you can automatically, and I don't know what Virginia lost personnel-wise, but I don't think you can just look at those and say, 
well, we got Virginia instead of Virginia Tech. That's easier because I disagree. I think on the road there, by the way, you're only going to play at Charlottesville once a decade, basically. So it'll be a big deal for them in Bronco. Well, here's the thing. If last year's schedule was a 10, okay, if last year's schedule was a 10, this, this next year's, even if you rate it as a 9, is a lesser schedule. And I would rate it somewhere around a 7 or an 8 is my point. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. It, last year's was clearly more difficult. I'm, I'm just, to me, it's the Notre Dame-Boise State swap. The rest, and I haven't analyzed personnel enough to look at it and know. I, I do agree with you with Finley gone from NC State and that game being here. That's different. That's the one that jumps out at me. But but who knows? I haven't sat down and gone through it like you the, have because I'm not as meticulous as you the are. The bigger so thing is, no, I've not sat down and gone gone through it either, really. The... Uh, um, I like these years. We don't have to have this conversation again, but you get two bye weeks. I, I like that. The bigger thing, though, as we talked about all last year, it, it really, yes, it matters who's on the other side of the line of scrimmage, but most of the issues last year were on FSU's side of the line of scrimmage. We, we talk, going back to the basketball, Coach Hamilton talks a lot about, you know, playing for, you know, a, it, it's what you do, the, 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 the name on your jersey, name the name that you're representing, and I think your point's very valid. Um, we don't really need to be looking at that much as opponents as we do ourselves in 2019 and see where the improvement is. Some of the freshmen talked to the media a week or two ago, and they were impressive. And you've seen a lot of those stories that have been generated since then. How much do you think the culture has changed at this point now that we're 15 or 16 months into the Willie Taggart era, however many it is, but two recruiting classes? Two, two things affect kids evidently these days. Number one, um, playing time. So when you see kids that were normally getting playing time, not getting playing time, that speaks and, and you see things. We started to see that a little bit at the tail end of the, the season. The second thing is kids that internally, we may never know, but internally you know we're asked to leave. And we've seen some turnover. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be 20. You know, it can only be six or eight or five or however many it's had. So my comment, my answer to that question is, there's been demonstrable things by the things that impress me about what kids are impressed with. So yes, I think they're making progress. Does that make that's a long answer to your question, but I'm used to it. I'm Thank you. To- Thank you. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be very interesting radio if you gave one word answers. No. And we only do this an hour a week. Imagine if we saw each other every day. Yes. Exactly. Uh, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, does have all the answers. And we'll let him be long-winded as well. He'll join us uh, coming up momentarily. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, there are You know, we always focus on the quarterbacks, but there's there's a lot of things uh, to pay attention. I'm interested to see how the receivers look with Ron Dugan's uh, tutoring them now. I'm, I'm interested to see the style of of Bryles uh, and of the new offensive line coach, of Randy Clements, to see how what that looks like. So, I mean, I, mean, I, they, I think they there's were good in Orlando, story. what, two, three, five days ago, last weekend, whenever yeah, it was. At the Nike. Uh, and uh, some pretty positive reports coming out based on their presentations, at least how they made their first impressions to people around the state. Well, there's – I mean, Bryles was sought after. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing offensively. So, uh, I do think you could look at, a, at big steps forward this year. A uh, place that, that always takes big steps forward but doesn't necessarily need to because they've already set the bar. They've established. They've, they, established. they've established, yes, uh, Madison Social. I was out there uh, last week, and which is not necessarily the norm. I'll, I'll just admit it. But uh, we have connections, and so we got permission for my daughter to sell Girl Scout cookies at Madison Social as opposed to, say, Publix. Let me just say home run, grand slam, good call all the way around. 
Daughter was happy. Mom was happy. Dad was happy. It was I, a win. I haven't gotten my normal complimentary box of Thin Mints. I, is, is there a problem? Uh, the problem is once you open a sleeve, the sleeve is empty. That's the problem. But I'll see if I can dig one up for you. An empty sleeve, that is. Oh, thank you. Front Row Knowles continues after this. No, no, no. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We already talked some basketball, but uh, tis the season. We're about to hit March, which means March Madness. Florida State playing well. They've won 9 out of 10. And as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I'll remind you, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to a fantastic freshman for Florida State. Devin Vassell is with us. Devin, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and I'm going to start right there because, you know, Sam Cassell played here, and for a year we called him Sam Castle, and then it became Sam Cassell. So, for the record, pronounce your last name so we all get it right. It's Devin Vassell. Vassell. Okay, so we had it right. Let the record reflect. We had a 50-50 shot. We had a 50-50 shot. there we go. So, uh, speaking of shots, I mean, they're all dropping for you right now. So, is this a product of the game slowing down? Of you just feeling more confident, more comfortable? Uh, To what do you attribute the the recent success, including three triples the other night uh, in the win over Notre Dame? Um, Yeah, right now, I just feel more comfortable. I mean, I have great teammates that are telling me, you know, shoot the ball when I get the open opportunity. And, you know, coaches just let me know that, you know, I can shoot it. And just, you know, just being ready for whenever my number is called right now. Devin, one of the things that that youngsters may not really appreciate about Coach Ham until they get here is he's going to expect you to play defense first and then work on your offensive game. And and you just seem to have a an ability to pick that up real quick. What do you attribute that to? I mean, we, we did you consider yourself a defensive player in high school or or, or just how did that come about? Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, felt like the defensive end is, you know, more important because, uh, you know, you can get steals, you get stops on defense and, you know, lead to easy points on offense, and that just gets your team going. So, you know, knowing Coach Ham, that's the first thing he wants is defense and, you know, being able to go out there and, you know, stop the other team from scoring is really like a momentum boost for us. How tough was it to recharge and refocus for Notre Dame the other night in light of what happened in Chapel Hill on Saturday? Um, I mean, we came out of UNC with a loss and, you know, but just we knew that we had to, you know, pick it right back up. We had another game in 48 hours and we were just ready. And, you know, we were mentally and physically prepared for this game. And, you know, we were just came together as a team and we knew that we needed to get this win. What has surprised you so far about competing and playing at the college level that maybe you you know you just didn't expect coming from high school and thought man this is this is much different than I thought it might be that sort of thing um definitely the pace of the game is much faster I mean I thought like in high school I could play every minute and now in college you know it's just like you know you you're running up and down the court in four minutes and all of a sudden you know you're tired and it's just the pace is definitely one of course you know the physical you know, part of the game, you know, everybody just is big, just is strong, just is fast. So it just took some adjusting to get to. Devin, you were you were a multi-sport star in high school. I think you played soccer. I know you played a little football. 
When did you decide to commit to basketball, and what what was the impetus for doing that? Um, really, my freshman year, I, I really stuck with basketball. I mean, I used to play soccer a lot, and, you know, my mom never really wanted me to play football, but it was really basketball and soccer. But basketball was just always in my blood. My dad played, and, you know, I just fell in love with it. And, you know, once I was able to, you know, start playing all the time, I just, you know, fell in love with it. Shout out, by the way, to Chuck Walsh here as I jump in. As as I look at the game notes, he has the phonetic pronunciation absolutely correct of Devin Vassell. So we're well, giving nothing gets past Chuck. We're giving Chuck a little love here. <laughs> uh, we we got to do that. We appreciate him uh, lining you up to to join us here. Um, you know, as you what, what was the draw to Florida State for you? Um, it was definitely uh, Coach C Y and you know my teammates. I mean, Coach C Y is like another father figure to me, and you know he just you know he. He just, you know, very helpful to me, and I could just talk to him about anything. And I came down here, and it was just the teammates, you know, Trent, Terrence, you know, they all just made me feel at home and made me feel like I was family. So, I mean, Florida State is a great school to come to. All right, well, now let's talk about the very most important thing. You, you, according to Chuck, you have a relative that plays with the Harlem Globetrotters. The little-known yes, thing our listeners have no idea, and then Florida State basketball fans – who is that, and how is he related, and, and do you ask for uh, ball skills every now and then? <laughs> um, his name is Alex Weeks. Yes, that's my cousin. Uh, they call him the Moose. And, um, yes, I've worked out with him a lot. Um, I mean, he just gives me a lot of pointers on footwork and, you know, shooting and ball handling. And, you know, he's, he's playing pro basketball, which eventually one day I want to be able to do. And so, you know, he's just an inspiration for me. So when he brings out that bucket, we don't have to worry about there being water in it. We know there's going to be paper mache in it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say this, Devin, if I think about the Globetrotters, and I've seen them several times lately with my son, they pretty much spend all their time doing the things that Leonard and Coach Hamilton wouldn't want you to do, which is practicing half-court shots and hook shots from 70 feet away and standing in the, you know, 40 rows up and trying to bounce one in. I mean, that's how they seem to spend their time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it works for them and it goes in and they're winning games, hey, can't blame them. <laughs> all right, let's talk about important stuff again. Uh, what What's the mental state? What are you guys telling each other as you get ready for these final regular season games as you position for the ACC tournament? Um, we just got to take it one game at a time. I mean, we have three more games left of the regular season, two home games, and we just know that, you know, this is the ACC, so every game is going to be a challenge. We just got to be able to be ready and go out and fight every every game. What's gotten into Chris Kumaji? Um, Chris is a great player. I mean, I just feel like it's just confidence. He's been playing with a lot of confidence. We always tell him, you know, you're a great player. You know, you, you know, you can shoot. You can, you, you know, you can help us. And uh, I think he's finally starting to realize that, you know, he's, you know, he's a great player. So he's been impressive. No, yeah. no numbers question. have been great. Numbers have been great. Who did who? You know, who was your? Who did you look up to growing up in the sport of basketball? Who'd you model your game after, Devin? Um, well, my favorite player is LeBron, but I, I, I always watch KD. I mean, you know, people used to say that, you know, I'm thin and, you know, I have a long wingspan. You know, I reminded them of KD, and I just watch his game, and I'm just in awe of a seven-footer who could bring the ball down the court and, you know, shoot, dribble, just everything. So, I you know, I watch a lot of film on KD because he's one of the best players in the league. Well, Tom mentioned your three-for-three three beyond the arc last time out. I think one of the things I've been most impressed with, because I've seen every minute of every game, obviously, with Deckerhoff, is uh, your athleticism and your ability around the rim. You you don't mind getting up there with the big boys? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, 
However, you know, my team needs me, you know, to help them out, whether it's offense or defense or rebounds, you know, I always try and get in there and, you know, bang with them, and, you know, just try and get my team, you know, some, some rebounds and some outlet points, so all that. Well, you had a nice follow slam the other night, but then I, I think you got upstaged by Terrence Mann there at the end of the game. Uh, you know, share something with our listeners maybe that we wouldn't know about uh, about Mann because he's been a solid four-year contributor. I mean, he's he's been fun to watch, and this year he's been just really consistent, and he just does everything for FSU, including, you know, putbacks, if you call that a putback, which it technically was, but the slam follow that won the game the other night. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think people understand how hard Terrence works. I mean, every time I go into the gym and I, I go in the shoe, I mean, he's always in there for me. And it's just just looking looking uh, up at him. He's definitely one of my role models as, as a senior and how good he's playing. I mean, he definitely puts in a lot of hours in the gym. I could definitely see it. Well, we can see that you obviously do too, uh, Devin. Congrats on uh, the recent success. Uh, you got a lot of basketball left this season and at Florida State in general, and we're going to enjoy watching you uh, continue to develop and uh, and just the way the rest of the season plays out. Best of luck to you, Devin. Yes, sir. Thank you for having. Thanks, me. Devin. That is Devin right. Vassell, freshman for the Florida State basketball team, and you the know, only scholarship freshman, by the way. That's the lone, should, the should lone ask about. Yeah, freshman. he is the cohort, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, you know, you mentioned three for three the other night, but if I can do what is that, ten for fourteen or something ridiculous, the last four or five games from three. Well, you know, he, he Coach Ham sat him for a couple of games. Uh, he and uh, Polite, you know, and when they got into the meat of some of that schedule, and, and it dawned on the staff, and I, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I think they sat around and said, you know, we're we're doing ourselves a disservice by not playing Polite and, and Devin. And without sulking and without, you know, getting his feelings hurt because he didn't see the court, he immediately got back out there, which are the three or four games that you're referring to, and his his production has been off the charts. Yeah, he was it, – it's, it's been fun to watch him develop, and it seems like the game is slowing down for him now. Uh, and obviously he's moved up in the rotation. I know Raekwon Gray was out the other night, which is not a long-term thing. Um but we've heard, we've seen glimpses of it. You see glimpses uh, a lot for freshmen, but it's a matter of how, how long does it take to become consistent, do it night in, night out. What other kids say about newcomers is a very telling thing because that never gets published, never gets talked about. But for man and Forrest to reach out to him, as he talked about, you know, during his recruiting and now is the early time here at Florida State, you know, upperclassmen don't spend a lot of time with freshmen that they don't think can help the team. And by the upperclassmen spending time with Devin, that's a wonderful, wonderful compliment to what they think about his ability to contribute. To put the uh, finishing touches on this basketball conversation right now, Keith, we've got two more home games, 12 noon Saturday, NC State, and next Tuesday night, is that a 7 o'clock tip against Virginia? Correct. Okay, so if you watch, if you follow college basketball, you know that VTech beat Duke last night. I didn't watch the whole game. I caught the the very end of it. It looked like Duke was going to come back and win that thing, and then Virginia Tech out of a timeout, boom, open three from the corner, finished them off. The point I'm making is there's only two more chances here. I sound like the ticket guy. I'm going to be that. But this team isn't going to the NIT. Nope. There's no more home games after Saturday and Tuesday. And as much as we love everything else to do, due respect to Mike Martin and baseball, Gets a little hot sitting out there at Hauser, say May tenth ish or whatever. Climate controlled Donald L. Tucker Center. Two hours of your day on Saturday, two hours of your evening on Tuesday, and this team could get a double buy in the ACC tournament. Get your butt to Tuck. I could put it much more succinctly. They sell beer at the Tuck. 
better said. We'll come back with our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, momentarily. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. We are back. We appreciate Devin Vassell joining us last segment. Florida State rising star. Maybe that's where we'll start our conversation as we uh, open back up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to our good friend and our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? I am doing terrific. So the ceiling for Devin Vassell is uh, at what height? Pretty pretty high, I would think. Yeah, I I think so. Um, You know, I think that, you know, in some ways he could kind of be – you know, you have a few more games with Terrence Mann before uh, before he graduates, um, and, and you, you have to replace him. And I think he could kind of be a similar type of player. I mean, he's already, uh, I think, really, really good at picking up Leonard Hamilton's defensive principles, which we know is, is tough for first-year players to do. Um, he's really confident. You can kind of tell. Um, and I don't know. I haven't heard the interview with him. I, you know, he he comes off. I think as um, as really, you know, exactly what you want from a first-year player. Really, uh, really, uh, I, I guess. Uh, I don't know if deferential is the word, but he definitely speaks highly of his teammates when asked about his success. And, uh, you know, seemed like a really humble kid. But on the floor, I mean, he, he's just about fearless. I mean, he saw against Notre Dame the other night. The one, the putback dunk he had was huge, but then also to, to pull up and take that three-point shot to give Florida State the lead. I mean, that's a big shot uh, in a big moment, and, and he didn't shy away from it. So, uh, no, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big role for him moving forward. I was a little bit surprised, and I really hadn't processed the fact that he is the lone scholarship freshman on this club. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty wild, huh? That's uh, kind of interesting. You know, it will make for uh, well, we'll see. You know, you never know how, how things will play out, but uh, it make for a lonely senior day in a couple uh, couple years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but kind of cool too. The versatility he brings, I can see your comparison to Terrence Mann there, but Terrence Mann was not going three for three on triples as a freshman. I mean, no, Ter- no, no. I so, think certainly as a shooter, I think he's at, at, at this point in his career, he's pretty ahead of him in that regard. Yeah, so that's why when you look at the ceiling, if you think you've got Terrence Mann, only he's going to be a, a shooter for all four years or however long he's here, that's that's something. Listen, we're going to talk more football, but I will ask you this and then we'll move on uh, because I have to be the negative guy here. What What's going on with Phil Kofer? Should we be concerned? Is he just going to snap out of it? What do you think? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I think he'll he'll snap out of it. Um, I don't know if he's just maybe slumping a little bit. I mean, it, 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 it seems like you know it's not like he's not playing, um, and they're they're giving him opportunities to go out there. So I think maybe it's just sort of managing uh, what he's able to do and, and kind of playing through it. And you know, we'll see. Um, at least having a few days off between now and in uh, in Saturday, you know, I'd like to see him have a nice bounce back game uh, against NC State. I know one thing, he's still very vocal on the court because I'm right down there, particularly on the defensive end in terms of encouraging and getting people in places and, and correcting. Uh, so yeah. he, he is yeah. that good voice still on the court, even though offensively his production has waned somewhat. My favorite Phil Kofer moment from this year was when we were up playing UConn in wherever we were in Newark. 
and uh, Hurley just could not stop barking. I'm sorry, Tim. This is just a little side note. That's all right. I mean, he just would not shut up the oh, entire and, game. And he barked the whole game. You're right. And then the TV cameras caught it, and Kofers on the FSU bench just pointed at the scoreboard. <laughs> Uh, and that diminishes what he's done on the court since he returned, but it was a pretty funny moment. All right, let's talk football. Nah, there's value in that, too. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, especially, and I didn't watch the TV broadcast because I was there calling it with Keith, but apparently it was just like they had Hurley cam that whole game long, so enough of that. Football starts Monday. It seems, it, it feels like spring football should be six weeks away, Tim. I'm not quite sure how it starts on Monday, but it does. So you are most intrigued by what as we head into spring? Uh, well, I'm most intrigued by the uh, the impact of, of Kendall Bryles and and uh, by extension Randy Clements, the, the two new offensive coaches. Uh, you know, we had a chance to, to sit down with those guys and meet them and, and talk with them and get uh, some initial impressions. And I just I'm really really impressed uh, by both of those guys. Uh, you know, truly, I think you know Kendall Gra- Kendall Bryles' background uh, certainly in football uh, and his upbringing and, and being around this type of offensive system, you know, the hurry up spread no huddle that sort of thing i mean it's it's been ingrained in him since he was a little kid right i mean this guy knows how to run this offense um and then i'm also pretty fascinated by the dynamic with randy clemens you know talking to randy uh he said that he's known kendall Bryles since he was eight years old uh he's a little kid running around and then worked with him one as a coach and player relationship and then two as a coach coach relationship and it's obvious uh you know to anybody who's who's kind of followed it that that to think an awful lot of each other and really want to work together. And so the fact that somebody like Randy Clements, who's a 30-year coaching veteran and is, uh, you know, a few years, probably, I don't know, 15 years or maybe give or take a few, uh, Kendall Bryle Sr., uh, who thinks that highly of him and, and you know, wants to work with him and wants to be his offensive line coach, uh, you know, that says something to me. You're talking about a guy who's just been a lot of places and seen a lot of things uh, in the coaching world. So I'm really curious to see what kind of impact they have. I mean, it's course it's spring football so it's kind of hard to, to gauge you know the old age old you know, if you, you bust a big play is that your your offense performing well your defense performing poorly and it's so it's kind of hard to decipher that but uh but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing just you know any 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 type of of even small thing any kind of difference they make and then seeing the impact they have because i do think it'll be pretty significant hey i need a quick ruling because we've uh, been concentrating on phonetic pronunciations today I've heard it Clements, which would be more normal, and I've heard it Clements or, or something like that. Do we have confirmation that how you just said it is correct? Well, he introduced himself as Randy Clements, so I'm inclined to go with him. Yeah, well, he would probably know. So thank you for the ruling. <laughs> go ahead. The floor is yours, Keith. I was just going to say, uh, not to disagree with you on one point, but what was astounding to me when I started reading about Randy's background is he worked for Coach Art Bryles for 26 years something like yeah. 14 or 15 at the high school level and then another 10 at Baylor. So yeah. w- while he's experienced, it's been in one system. And in fact, it may have even been war chant that did it, but there's a YouTube video that uh, listeners can access. I'm sure if you just go Randy Clements, you know, instructional or whatever, that was taped back in 2013, 2014 of him at a coaches conference, coaches clinic. And he started showing plays, the inside read and the outside read and the running. It was a running plays. And I got to try to look at it. It was over a three-year period, four-year period with Baylor before or after uh, RG3. And you can't tell me who the quarterback is. But the plays were wide open. And my point was when I was watching it's about a 40-minute video. When I was watching it, Tim, what impressed me is that if you've got a quarterback that can make the reads, that offense is just – so much more explosive than 
obviously if the quarterback can't make the reads is that that's silly and stupid and 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 simplistic but it was amazing to me what they were able to accomplish with people i didn't ever even recognized sure yeah no and i think that's i mean that's the way that these these offenses are supposed to work right i mean that's what it's built as but you can sort of plug and play a little bit and and, you know not to say that a, a good talented quarterback won't make a big difference but there's sort of a, a base level, a floor, if you will, of what you can do with that too because it's so interchangeable or supposed to be so interchangeable. And you know, one more point I want to make about that is, as it relates to Florida State is uh, you know, a couple weeks ago after National Signing Day, Willie Taggart was asked you know, what he liked about Kendall Bryles and, and what attracted uh, him to, to, w- to want to bring Kendall in. And he said that when they were at USF, they went over to a, a clinic at Baylor and, and picked up some offensive concepts and some schemes and some ideas that, uh, you know, essentially led to Willie uh, changing his offense and, and coming uh, the evolution or the uh, the introduction of the Gulf Coast offense. You know, a lot of that is rooted in these types of concepts. Well, uh, if you still want to operate under those offensive principles, who better to come in and, uh, and run it and, and get it in gear than the guy who, you know, you essentially, you know, learned it, learned it from or learned of it from and, and – sort of laid that foundation with. So to me, I think it's a really good fit there. Okay, let's talk personnel and, and staff. Uh, first on the personnel side, Florida State got a commitment from, I guess he's going to be a preferred walk-on, but a quarterback out of Leesburg via Western Michigan and somewhere else. Uh, I don't know how much you can comment on him, but is is he... Not very much. Okay, well then, thanks for that, Tim. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate that. All right, see you. Yeah, so that's uh, Wyatt Rector. Tim can't weigh in on that. I, basically, I don't know what... Uh, well, well, he's he trying to get eligible based he on the get, fact that Annie doesn't get here till May, right? So we'll just leave that one where it is for now. Let and and maybe uh, you don't know the inside on this one either. But related to coaching, uh, do we know where David Kelly's going to be coaching yet, or do we have any idea when the the, the NCAA is going to let FSU know whether or not he can move to an off field role or whatever seems to be holding things up? I expect it'll it'll be soon. Obviously, there, there's still some some, uh, some balls in the air there to be decided but uh but i, I think there'll be some clarity uh, before practice starts but but as for what that'll be uh no i i don't know yet it just occurred to me keith i want to have a job someday where somebody can ask me a question and i can just say and i'm i'm not i can't comment on that no comment can't comment on that <laughs> tommy how you much money tommy want. how much money have we raised for the boosters 100 million dollar goal no comment you're there <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I, 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 well, you put it on a T for me there, right? <laughs> um, all right, so uh, what's the second most intriguing thing about the spring for you, Tim? Well, I mean, really, the truth is there's a lot of intriguing things. I don't know that I could pick a second most. I, I really want to see the you know how the running backs uh, adjust in year two. You, you'd love to see more out of Cam Akers. I mean, I think when you, you know, if it had, had Florida State been able to establish the running game last year, I think it would have been – you know, an awfully different type of season uh, and an awfully different type of complexion. And, you know, we know the uh, you know, the offensive line factors into that as well. But, you know, I think it's uh, you know, fair to expect more from your running backs. I think they expect more from each other. Uh, so I want to see how they go. But uh, but then, you know, to, to mix it up a little bit, uh, I'm curious to see what we get out of this defense. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting things at play there. I think there are some, some, uh, some factors – uh, involving the staff and, and how that's all going to shake out that will probably determine some of it. You know, uh, Robert Cooper, the, the rising sophomore defensive tackle, revealed last week that Odell Higgins, it sounds like, is going to be coaching the entire defensive line. So that's, you know, that's something to do. 
so let's see, you know, where Mark Snyder fits in there and, and you know, how, what, if any, influence Odell will have on, on those potential. I'm sure he'll have some influence on them if he's coaching them. Uh, but, you know, what that's like, what, what differences there are, if any, and, and, and how that goes, I think that's going to be pretty fascinating. Um, I want to see the, the defensive backs take a step forward. I'm curious to see what they do with Jaden Woodby. Uh, you know, he's a guy that kind of moved around last year, spent a lot of time at the linebacker spot, sort of the, the hybrid linebacker defensive back spot. Uh, to, to see, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to keep him doing that, if they move him back to a more traditional safety role, uh, you know, how exactly that all fits together. Uh, we don't know yet, but uh, but I'm curious to see how it happens. You got a lot you're looking for. Yeah, no, man, there's a lot, a lot going on. Do you think that the kicking job's really uh, up for grabs this year, based on that comment that was made at uh, the signing day? Uh, well, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't think you would say it if you didn't mean it, right? I mean, that's not really a a throwaway type of comment. Um, Put it this way, I, I think that it will be open, but I would consider Ricky to be a very heavy favorite. How's that? Hedging your bets as always. Well done. Well, well that's, that's not hedging bets. I no, mean, that's just based on uh, you're fir- playing the odds. Your first point is right on. If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't make that comment, even in that forum, which is you know more of a private setting than a public. Although there's, it's there's televised, also, so it's not that private. There's also great legitimacy at co- uh, this thing called competition. Yes, and lighting a fire. Yeah. Yeah, so there well, is, and, and you know, when's the last time that, that Florida State had a real kicker competition? It's been several years. Well, to be fair, Florida State's had some good kickers, despite the the long time history. It, it's uh, I'm not even going to finish that sentence. We'll just leave it where it is. It's been for of all the issues we could discuss, that has really kicking n- has not been yeah, the big issue. That has that has not been the big issue of late. Uh, I guess that's enough for football now because we're going to hammer away at this for four weeks, Tim. But uh, have, how much baseball have you watched yet? Because apparently uh, a couple of the freshmen can really rake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, well, you watch it when you can. And these, these midweek games that haven't been very successful uh, with the weather. But no, you're right. I mean, for, uh, for, for Robbie Martin to come in, uh, win ACC Player of the Week honor so early on in his career, uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I think the, uh, the cable kid can really hit. Uh, you know, you talk about hear, hear stories from the – from, from the, some of the staff and, and teammates about just, you know, watching them in batting practice, hitting them, you know, floaters to straightaway center that, uh, that land clear over the wall. Uh, it's a pretty impressive group of freshmen, and, uh, you know, I mean, they, they can hit. And, and so, you know, I, I think so much of, of what we thought about with this baseball team was, was based on, or coming into the season was based on, you know, who was returning, whether it be Drew Parrish or Drew Mendoza, and, you know, the, the nature of baseball recruiting. And it's kind of hard, you know, I think to, to project unless you're, you know, really into – you know, the baseball Americas and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of hard to project what to expect from baseball freshmen. But, and earlier returns on those guys are pretty good. And if you, know, you add a handful of, of, of you know, high power bats to the lineup, uh, I mean, it kind of changes the complexion of your season, or at least has a potential to, you know? Were the preseason uh, expectations too high for starting pitching? Have they been a disappointment? Uh, where are we in that early evaluation? Uh, you know, I think it's probably a little early, and it, it's kind of hard. Look, you know, the the way this has always worked, it, 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 you want to, or if Mike Martin wants to make a change to his weekend rotation, guys, you know, first have to audition in the midweek and, and show themselves capable of handling that, and then maybe they'll get a chance on the weekend uh, if if the opportunity arises. Well, that hasn't been able to happen to this point, so I think it's kind of delaying that. Uh, to answer your question, I you know, I mean, I, maybe maybe. Uh, I mean, I hesitate to use the word disappointing because it's, it's, it's been so early in the season. You know, they've only played two weekend series. They haven't had any midweeks. Uh, but, 
it, it, it's hard to really assess what your other options are because you haven't been able to make it. Um, I guess that's really kind of all, all I can say is, you know, you got to give those guys time. And then once some of your other options get some, uh, get some game time and get some action and if they show themselves capable, you know, then maybe you can assess what you have then. But so far that hasn't been able to happen. Tim, what you got cooking on Seminoles.com this week? All kinds of stuff, buddy. You know, spring football stuff coming up. Uh, we do uh, plan to have a, a few more uh, video content items and interviews with some members of the coaching staff. Uh, certainly basketball, NC State coverage uh, this weekend. A really big game there, followed up with Virginia Tech. And uh, working now on a little bit of senior, state, senior day stuff uh, with the men's basketball team as well, because that will be here before you know it, less than a week, uh, which is pretty uh, pretty wild. So, uh Things always cooking, and of course, uh, full spring football coverage starting on Monday. Should be a lot of fun. Tim, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lenefelt. He's fixing to get busy again. He's always busy. Well, more busy. More busy. More busy. He's going to be mo' busy. That's correct. Mo' better. We'll come back. Uh, We won't be mo' better, but we'll finish the show after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. A few minutes to go. Keith, I asked you this during the break, so I might as well ask you now. Three games to go for the Hoopsters. 3-0, and 2-1. I think if you were a betting man and you were being conservative, you'd bet two and one. Uh, but it will not surprise me uh, if this team continues to perform because they now get some rest. Wouldn't surprise me if they won all three. If they win all three, they set a school record for most AC win, ACC wins in a season, and they would clinch uh, a, a two-game buy, the double buy. Uh, at two and one, you need a little help in order to get that double game buy. But I think they can easily win two, and it wouldn't surprise me if they won three. Yeah, and if you're projecting to go two and one, the Virginia Tech game would be the one that you Correct. probably Correct. question. You're going to have them winning at Wake and beating NC State at home. Uh, 12 noon Saturday and then 7 o'clock next Tuesday. Let me ask you this. In an effort to help re-recruit one Fiondu Cabangeli, would you suggest that maybe the last two games showed that he's still a work in progress? North Carolina really did a nice job, and I know he got in some foul trouble. Um, you can see all the raw talent, and the NBA will draft raw talent. But as good as he is and as good as he's become, he can become that much better. Two things. Number one, I think Fee and his family, and you hear this a lot, but I think it is also especially true, really value education. And I think Fee enjoys college, and I think he wants to complete his college education. I think in that regard, he's the same uh, in the same mold as Michael Ojo. You know, Michael knew that that basketball could do some things for him, but his education would be what helps him ten and twenty and thirty years from now, coming from where he came from. I think Fee enjoys college. I think the degree is important to him. Number two, if I think if he would be honest or whoever he would ask to help evaluate, and this seems silly and trivial. I mentioned this to you. You kind of rolled your eyes a little bit. But, but Fee falls down a lot. 
Okay, he falls down a lot, and that tells me that he's still not totally in command of his body, because it was only two, maybe three years ago that he grew that six or seven inches. He went from six three to six ten. He's probably pushing six eleven right now, and and it takes a while for the brain and the everything to get everything back together, and you get fluid. He's very athletic, but his body is still somewhat. I don't know what the appropriate term would be, but strange to him. And he find, he missteps and he gets knocked over. He topples. And he's much stronger and, and, and more physical. Than he that. does do those things. I'll just interject. It's not as if he looks clumsy when no, he's no, out no. there. I, no, I'm not being disrespectful. Yeah. I'm just saying if I'm going to evaluate what I'm going to do for the next 10 years or even 15 years, I may want to take another year and grow into myself. And so between college education and, and continuing to See, grow and mature, I think it would be in his best interest to stay. Now you're following the script. That's I put it on a tee for you. That's exactly where you're supposed to go. So, Fee, just listen to the last few seconds of what Keith said there. There you go. That said, you can be guaranteed that what he will do is he will announce that he's testing the draft waters because in college basketball, unlike football, you can put your name out there. You can get good feedback. They can... They can uh, let you know and if you go through that process and you talk to 12 teams and they say you'd be an idiot to stay in school well guess what then he's probably going out and if they say you'd be an idiot to come out well guess what he's probably coming back and unlike football and they probably wouldn't say it not necessarily unlike football but different than football the nba will pay you for two or three years while you finish growing up they will be patient with you as opposed to football, which wants an immediate return on a one or two draft trip. I think the answer, though, is, and if I'm not mistaken, if you're a first-round pick, it's guaranteed money. And I don't know what it means in terms of how many times you bounce up and down. But if you're a second-round pick, you might not make the roster. Your paydays are a lot less. And, you know, it's one thing to be bussing around at the lower level when you got a lot of zeros at the end of your paycheck. It's another thing when you didn't get that and you're bussing around. So that would be an argument to come back as well. You should always uh, come back and visit Ron and his good friends at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. You know that by now. They've been longtime supporters of the program. You can call them at 580-1200. Keith and I do this regularly. Hey, Ron, uh, yeah, another project. We have no idea what we're doing, so if you or your knowledgeable staff could assist, we'd appreciate it. Of course, springtime is the time when those projects need to get started, and at my house... Sometimes they don't get finished, but they do get started. They do get started. Online at ctf.nu. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue and uh, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. I just cross them off the list and make a new list, and spring cleaning goes to fall cleaning and fall fix it and all that. And then I've got football in the fall, so I don't have time then either. I have a comment that will remain to myself. Thank you. Spring football for you? Uh, Excited from the standpoint, you know, we were so overhyped last year. I mean, Willie said all the right things, uh, made all the right moves. Um, spring was fun. We had 60,000 people, whatever the actual count was. Well, this spring, it's work, and the fluff is off, and many of us are not going to be listening to how Willie says something or how any coach says something. We're going to be looking to say what, what's done, what the, does it look like. The honeymoon is the over. The honeymoon's over. And now you got to start you know, seeing that incremental physical uh, progress. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, um, how how the offensive staff comes together because uh, it's been a, been a wholesale change, how Harlan, you know, revamps the defensive side. I think Tim's very astute to talk about, you know, there was there's improvement that needs to be made there too. We're, we spent all our time focused on the offense. The defense performed well a lot of the time, maybe most of the time, 
but they're not a championship caliber defense yet. There's there's improvement needed there. And so uh, you got 15 days, I guess 13 or 12 of them in pads. <coughs> Pardon me, to see what are they going to do. And hopefully I can get out there a couple times if Coach Willie will let me. Uh, uh, that's a little early in the morning for the Jones household. But uh, certainly the spring game will be interesting and fun to watch. Did you see that college football is going to look at adjusting the targeting, targeting rule? Good. Good. Exactly. I think they're going to actually open the conversation about, you know, the flagrant one, flagrant two, uh, which we've discussed on here before many have advocated for, um, you know, make it similar to college basketball that way. I think I, I, something they should consider, they may not be at all, uh, and this would still be inconsistent because you don't have a national uh, body that governs college football, so you'd have to leave it to the conferences. If you throw the flag for targeting, just march off the 15 yards and then let the conference office figure out when they look at the tape whether the guy should be suspended and just suspend him the full next game instead of a half here and a half there. And the upside would be maybe you'd get more consistent rulings because the same people would look at every play from the league. But beyond that, we wouldn't wait seven minutes each game for them to determine in slow motion if it was targeting or not. The other thing that I've heard, and I don't know whether they would implement or not, is and they do this, there's certain flagrant fouls that are automatic in the NCAA basketball arena if you foul someone in the latter stages of a half that doesn't have the ball you know like you used to you know try to pick the guy that's the worst free throw shooter and foul him even though he doesn't have the ball that's an automatic flagrant one okay there's certain things you could possibly apparently if you pull on somebody's jersey for a nanosecond and you're in the dean dome true that's an automatic flagrant one as well because that's the only time i've ever seen that happen in the history of college basketball but one of some of the things i've read or talked about is we had one i think brian burns had one where he inadvertently hit the quarterback in the helmet with his hand you know he didn't push it through it wasn't struck you know he just inadvertently got his hand on the helmet of a quarterback well that would be an automatic flagrant one you're not going to get you're going to get a 15 yard penalty because it's a foul but you're not in danger of being thrown out of a ball game issues like that i think they can work at and look at and maybe maybe get a little more a little more better <laughs> we will remain mo mediocre and we'll do it again next week right here Same bad time, same bad channel, right? He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week.